Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we have some headlines coming up here in just a moment, including a recap of Indiana's uh, win last night, uh, a very convincing win, as you would expect. And I think that may be in some ways the best thing so far, and you don't want to jinx this Indiana team, but outside of the Eastern Michigan game, and they were pretty good. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of season they go on to have. Uh, This Indiana team has done what they're supposed to do against the lesser opponents so far on their schedule. And if you think back, I mean, just I was looking at scores earlier this morning uh, from some recent IU seasons. There have been some really scary moments against mid-major competition in the non-conference by Indiana. So I think that in itself uh, should be a little more comforting or a little more enjoyable for fans that Indiana is actually blowing out some of these teams that they pay to come play at Assembly Hall and blow out because, again, in recent years that hasn't always been the case. We'll talk about the win last night. Xavier Johnson, I thought, played much better last night and maybe showed a glimpse of what he can bring to this IU program this season. And, uh, again, getting ready for the next big one. That's Syracuse. And so we'll cover all that today and more. Also, later in the show, on Wednesdays, we have Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times. He was at the game last night, covered the game for the Herald-Times, and he's going to join us a little bit later to recap things and go through some of the key moments and key uh, rotations and players and so much more from last night's game. So stay with us for that. Uh, Also, some big recruiting news we'll get into here in just a few moments, and uh, I'll bring that up with Dustin Dopirak today as well. Later in the hour, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will join us. We'll talk some local sports. This is probably... I think tonight the most active night of high school boys basketball uh, that we've had so far. Last night a couple games with area teams and uh, really not much locally at all on Monday. So you could say this is the first pretty active night, and that's normally the case. Thanksgiving Eve, not much better than Thanksgiving Eve hoops. There will be a couple uh, interesting games tonight, so we'll talk about those with Josh and more when he joins us. Presented by Major League Shirt Company a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And, of course, with Thanksgiving tomorrow, they are your source for your ham, your turkey, uh, so much more that you may need for the Thanksgiving holiday and your celebrations that are coming up, uh, maybe starting as soon as tonight, tomorrow, and this weekend. So don't forget to check out uh, Honey Baked Ham in 
New Albany. All right, let's get into our headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. And as I do that, a reminder that the Thornton's text line is open. You can send in your thoughts on the Hoosiers last night. Maybe you've got a prediction. I would be curious to hear what some IU football fans think on the IU-Purdue, the bucket game uh, coming up this weekend as well. 502-414-1450. 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. Don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of the best pick-me-up items that you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. So make sure you send a text in. We'll get to those coming up here just a little bit later in the program today. All right, let's look at our headlines IU last night, they get a 70-35 blowout win over Jackson State to improve to 5-0 on the season. A couple thoughts from last night's game. First and foremost, I thought uh, IU's defense was good and once again set the tone for this IU team. Now, I'm not at all saying I think their defense is great or that their defense is ready for Big Ten-level competition. But there have been some metrics and some things, I think, if you watch closely to believe that this IU team has turned the corner from a defensive perspective. And obviously that's going to be tested against Syracuse and some of the early Big Ten conference games that are coming up here in a week and a half or two for the Hoosiers. But I thought that was good. And also last night the three-point shooting was pretty efficient, 40% or percent or better Uh, from the three-point line for the second game in a row. Uh, Of course, Louisiana on Sunday, Jackson State on Tuesday night. And a lot of that is due to the shooting of Parker Stewart, the transfer from UT Martin. And again, when he came into the program, that was one of the big things. He's going to have the ability to help this team with its perimeter shooting. And it was a little scary early on because the first game or two, outside of a couple early shots he made against Eastern Michigan, then he disappeared for the rest of the game, if you remember. We really did not see a whole bunch from Parker Stewart. But last night, the last few games, a different story for him. And then last night as well, looked like Xavier Johnson played much more. I don't know if under control is the right way to describe that or not. He just he wasn't mouthy. Obviously, no technical fouls last night. I thought he showed what he can bring uh, to this team uh, much more the, to last night and what they're going to need from him last night uh, was what will be needed in some of the future games as well. So uh, Johnson, very solid last night, under control, poised while handling the ball, being the playmaker for this Indiana team. He actually led Indiana in scoring with 14 points. He was 5 of 6 from the field. He had 7 rebounds, 3 assists, and 1 turnover. And all of that while, again, being the primary playmaker for Indiana. You can't ask for much more from your point guard. I thought Xavier Johnson was really the star last night for Indiana. So just a a couple thoughts. I guess the negative thought that stands out uh, from last night was the free throw uh, shooting. Uh, That has been a consistent problem this year for Indiana. That's one that has to get cleaned up because, again, just think about last season, even with uh, maybe as bad as Indiana was, Uh, Think about how many games Indiana had opportunity still down the stretch, but uh, free throws did not go their way, and free throws in some of those cases ultimately cost them the game. So that's an area of, of, I think, real concern with this team. Three-point shooting I'm still sketchy about, although it's improved the last couple contests. But, again, shooting overall with this team I think is something to watch moving forward. Just a few things on last night's game. We'll get to more here with Dustin Dopirak 
uh, coming up in the next segment. Also, a big recruiting note from yesterday. I want to make sure that we get this on. Trent Sisley from Heritage Hills. We had his high school coach, Nate Hawkins, on back in the summer when uh, Trent really began to blow up. He got a Purdue offer first, if you re- remember. A few days after the Purdue offer, Maryland kind of surprised people and came in with a scholarship offer uh, to the six foot seven power forward. And when I was down in Lincoln City, which is where Heritage Hills High School is at on Saturday, I went down to watch the New Albany Heritage Hills scrimmage. Uh, heard from some people in the know that IU had really, really been stepping up their contact with uh, Sisley within the rules, of course, and also with uh, Coach Hawkins as well. And so no surprise that yesterday afternoon, uh, Trent uh, Sisley tweeted out that he had been offered a scholarship uh, by the Hoosiers, by Coach Woodson and staff. So Indiana now officially in the mix, as we thought they would be very soon with Trent Sisley. And again, he's uh, quite the player, six foot seven. He can handle the basketball. He can step out. He shot it very well, uh, even against some pressure defense from New Albany in that scrimmage game on Saturday. He's going to be a really fun player to watch. Uh, in the next few years of high school basketball in our state. And he's not close. He's about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes to our west, a little south of Jasper and Southridge, that area, as you head down toward the river there. But he is uh, in southern Indiana. He's going to be very, very good. He's going to get a lot of college interest. And uh, Indiana, Purdue, and others jumping in on him early, which makes a lot of sense. So he'll be fun to watch. And we know the battles that Heritage Hills and Silver Creek have had Uh, in the uh, state tournament in that regional down at Washington. So whoever can come out of the 3A sectional locally, if it's uh, probably the favorite, Silver Creek, look for some matchups here over the next few years with the younger Sisley. He's going to be quite the player, uh, but Indiana in the mix for him. And it's going to be interesting to see how this process moves forward. Really good freshman class so far. It's not deep, but there will be other names. But the uh, Harrelson kid from Uh, Fishers and, of course, Sisley from Heritage Hills going to be on the national scene, it appears, in recruiting in that class of 2025. Also, uh, wanted to talk about Bellarmine for just a moment. I had had this in my notes earlier in the week and didn't have a chance to cover it. But last night, uh, the Knights got their first win of the season. So uh, they are 1-5 on the year, which is not typically what Bellarmine's record at any point of the season looks like. But can we just visit their schedule for just a moment? They played at Purdue back on November 9th and were defeated 96-67, and we know how good Purdue is and projected to be this season. Then they went to Murray State on November 13th and lost 78-59, and Murray State in their conference and their level of uh, hoops is supposed to be very good this year. Then they went on the road or continued on the road at St. Mary's of uh, California. Of course, we know the St. Mary's program. They always battle it out with Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference. They lost in a pretty close one on the road at St. Mary's, 73-64. Then on November 19th, that was Friday, they played the number one team in all the land who, after their win last night, Gonzaga's went over UCLA. They beat them 20 points last night. And the same Gonzaga team beat Bellarmine 92-50 back on Friday. Then, earlier this week on Monday, they take on number 2 UCLA and kept it close. 75-62 the final score. And, of course, UCLA in that same event uh, blown out by 20 last night by Gonzaga. So, Gonzaga 
got to be the early pick, I think, to win a national championship. It'd be hard to go against Timmy and uh, the Zags at this early point of the season, although a lot can change. But how about the schedule for Bellarmine? I mean, we've talked about who they had on the schedule, uh, some of these uh, early non-conference challenges. They've still got game, a uh, non-conference game at West Virginia coming up uh, later this month. So it's not going to get a lot easier. But, I mean, when Bellarmine gets to their conference games, it's going to be like playing Division II teams again based on who they've played in the non-conference schedule. Just unbelievable that one new NCAA team that's in year two of the NCAA realm and in their conference and can't even play in the NCAA tournament yet if they make it is playing these kind of teams on a regular basis. Just amazing. Uh, Justin Betts of Providence, he doesn't always score a lot of points for Bellarmine. I mean, he's had 9, 10, 12 points this season in games but he's always very efficient. He always gets a lot of playing time. He's always doing the small things, assist and rebounds and limiting his turnovers. Uh, so it's neat to see him. Who would have thought at Providence a, a few years ago when he was a senior that he would be playing against high major Division One competition? Bellarmine at D2, absolutely. Playing in the small level of college basketball, him being a standout, no surprise at all. But to do it at the Division One level and to have a real role on this Bellarmine team, very impressive for the local product uh, from Providence as well. But just a shout-out to Bellarmine. They really uh, have got things rolling. And if Coach Davenport can keep this up, as they become eligible uh, for the NCAA tournament. They are going to be a lot of fun. Another local entry, I think, to follow. And I'd be surprised if most years they don't find a way to win that conference or a way into the NCAA tournament. But I did want to mention them. Also, Cooper Jacoby, uh, he's had some good performances. He gets minutes. I think last night he had 12 or 13 minutes for Toledo. Uh, Didn't score in the game, but Toledo's pretty good. They defeated Tulane 68-67 in the semifinal round of the Baja Mar Hoops Nassau Championship over in the Bahamas, and they're going to play uh, in that championship game coming up. I think it's later today uh, that they will play in the championship. So uh, Cooper Jacoby getting some good marks at the Division I level so far. And switching to high school hoops here as we close out our opening segment, uh, some interesting games tonight, uh, Columbus East at Silver Creek. I don't think that the Olympians will be much challenge for the Dragons tonight, but this is going to be a different look Silver Creek team led by Brandon Northern. So I'm curious to get a look at what the Dragons actually look like on the floor. Uh, How does Northern handle the opportunity ahead of him, not only to be a big scorer, but he's still going to have to handle the basketball primarily and run the show uh, for Silver Creek. So that should be interesting to watch there. Also, who else logs minutes? Who else begins tonight to maybe step up and take key roles on this team? Defending 3A state champions. New Albany tonight will host Clarksville in their opener. Tucker Biven will make his season debut. Who else for New Albany can step up? There are a few other uh, prospects of interest, I think, that will be interesting to see how they come together early on. Also tonight, Scottsburg will host Austin. Salem is at West Washington, so just a handful of local games. There are more coming up this weekend, but we'll begin tonight to find out what our local landscape looks like in high school basketball. Let's take a look at the uh, Thornton's text line for just a moment. Don't forget you can send in your questions and comments on the Hoosiers and, of course, their victory last night. Uh, T. Wren text in. It was refreshing to see Woody call a timeout after Jackson State went on a 6-0 run and made some adjustments to attack the zone. This is something 
we haven't seen in years. And I didn't get to see that part of the game live. I had it uh, recorded or whatever you call it uh, on YouTube TV, uh, but I thought the same thing. Uh, that's something that we did not always see, a, uh, a preventative timeout perhaps when even an early run is beginning from an opponent. So thank you for the text message. And don't forget you can send in your questions and comments for Dustin Dopirak, who's going to join us in the next segment coming up here in just a few moments. Stay with us. This is a Wednesday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We got more coming up on IU basketball next. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Stay with us. Two more segments ahead. The Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. He's with us on Wednesdays as we talk IU basketball this time of year. And Dustin, last night, IU got the job done early and often against Jackson State, which is what you would expect. And I thought Xavier Johnson was a standout last night for the Hoosiers, really poised and uh, scored the basketball as well. Very much so. I mean, obviously, the 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 issue with him is is getting him to sort of play a little bit more under control. Obviously, they they want him to take risks. They want him to be aggressive. That's why they recruited him in the first place. Is that he can be explosive and get to the rim and and create that way. Um, but obviously, they want to see the turnovers cut down. They want to see the fouls brought down. They want to see just the general mistakes brought down. And he really did that last night. I mean, obviously, Jackson State was playing his zone uh, in hopes of making that as much of a half court game as it possibly be as it could possibly be. And it seemed like he responded well to that again uh you know 14 points five of six shooting seven rebounds three assists one turnover which just really smart with the basketball i thought just did a good job of just figuring out who was opening open and getting them the ball as quickly as possible uh just just did a good job of finding guys i thought and again playing under control just seemed, seemed to have very much adjusted obviously seemed to have taken the message uh from mike woodson and 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 that's i mean obviously we're still talking about you know caliber of, of of opponent, and it's easier to kind of keep your mind straight when you know that you're that much better than the team that you're playing. Um, but all the same, it's something they've been working that, that coaches have been working on with him throughout his career, just trying to get him to play a little bit more more under control, just calm down a little, and be able to you know unlock that potential without uh, having it go go sideways on him. And I thought he did a really good job of that last night. Talking with Dustin Dopirak last night's IU win. Dustin puts the Hoosiers 5-0 and on the season. And, again, we a lot of discussion head, heading into the year about the schedule, the lack of big-time opponents. But based on where Indiana started against Eastern Michigan, things got better against Northern Illinois. Then the big win over St. John's to kind of really see what this Indiana team could be. And now some space between St. John's and Syracuse. This thing makes a lot of sense, I think, based on where the IU program is at right now. I know this is kind of a repeat, but I think it's worth noting. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think just because, you know, again, Mike Woodson went into the season knowing, or really not knowing, uh, what he had, and he wanted to find out before he put himself in a situation of be, uh, being able to lose games, and that can go sideways on you pretty fast. I mean, I think, um, you know, for for as much as we're talking about how how easy 
uh, the schedule has been so far. I mean, they, they've kind of needed something like this. I mean, you, you have to remember that last year, uh, some of these guys didn't, I mean, you know, they, they didn't really have kind of a warm-up period uh, just because of COVID and everything. I mean, you had Tennessee Tech on the schedule. You had North Alabama on the schedule. But other than that, it was pretty much, you know, um, uh, just high-level opponents, basically. It was, it was uh, Power 5-level opponents. Um, and, and I think it, it sort of made it difficult to let some guys grow up. And this, this season has given these guys some opportunity, uh, you know, just to kind of get their feet under them first, get a sense of what it is that they're doing, you know, get used to it. Um, you know, it's like playing the scout team a lot, but it's still something, you know, it, it's still, um, it, it, but it's just probably best for them just to get some experience, get some confidence, uh, you know, take some time doing that. And it seems like it makes sense here, just putting them in positions where they can, you know, uh, take some lessons, apply them, learn from them, um, adjust, basically just sort of prove they can do that before they start really getting into, uh, you know, this me- next month obviously is going to, is going to include a lot more challenges than after that, obviously conference play, you know, there's going to be plenty enough opportunity to push this team. There's going to be plenty enough opportunity to judge this team. Uh, it makes sense for it to, to it sort of take its time getting into figuring out who it is. Dustin, is this IU team maybe going to be a team that uh, defense is first for them? Uh, defense, I think, has set the tone uh, in a lot of the games so far this season. I read this morning IU is holding opponents to 28.4% shooting from the field and 25% shooting percentage from the three-point line. Uh, that's pretty good, especially when you look at Indiana teams of recent. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, this right now they're overwhelming. But, they're, you know, in part they're overwhelming because they're playing against teams that aren't of their caliber. I mean, you know, I mean, Jackson State, it just wasn't fair, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, Jackson State, obviously, you know, what, what they're doing at this point in the year is just, uh, you know, they're on a tour to collect guarantee, you know, guarantee money to, you know, fund their athletic department. And that's, you know, I mean, it, it is spreading the wealth around and it, and it, and it is what it is. But I mean, these guys, obviously, I, mean, I think they started, they didn't start anybody above six, seven, um, just athletically size wise. I mean, Indiana was just at another level. And so it's tough for Jackson state to even get halfway decent shots off. If they were taking the ball to the rim, they weren't, you know, they, they weren't getting shots off. They were able to hit some threes, obviously to keep them, um, not keep them around even, but make it at least a little bit more respectable. Uh, but by and large, I mean, they're, they're they've played a couple teams teams in Louisiana and Jackson state just are on their level. And that those numbers have gotten a lot better, um, over the last two games because of it, certainly Northern Illinois as well. They were able to do that when St. you know, against St. John's against a, a, a team that had a legit first team, all big East player in, in, in Julian Champagne, you saw a difference. You saw they're not going to be able to just shut down everybody like that, but I mean, they have defended well. I mean, I think obviously that was the focus for Mike Woodson's making this a good defensive team first. I think the more aggressive style of play defensively is something that they like. I think they've got a lot of pieces that they're going to be a good defensive team. Are they going to be the best defensive team in the country? Or are they going to lead the, lead the country in effective field goal percentage defense? I don't think so. Um, but all the same, I think this is going to be a team that is going to be a win, would be able to win a lot of games on the defensive end, and that should at least put them in, I think, you know, tournament consideration. I think they're going to be that good. I don't, you know, again, I, I don't think they're going to be top five in the country when it's all said and done, and some of these numbers that they're at top five in the country right now. Um, but you know, they're good enough to overwhelm, um, you know, inferior teams, which which is still a good sign um, as opposed to letting them hang around. Um, and but I think it, it's going to be good enough to be really, really competitive with teams at their level. Dustin, is free throw shooting so far, and again, I know the level of opponents isn't the same as what we're going to see coming up here soon, and of course in the Big Ten, but is free throw shooting the biggest concern right now with this team? 
Um, it's up there. I mean, I still think three-point shooting matters. Uh, I mean, I, I think last night, obviously, against the zone, they were really smart about getting the guys that they know hit threes. Uh, obviously, Cobb and Stewart hit five of the six, and then Anthony Leo hit the six. So, obviously, those are all guys that were recruited um, specifically because they can hit three-point shots. Um, so, obviously, they're being smart about the, the – they were being smart about the threes that they were shooting, um, but they're going to need to spread the wealth around when it comes to when they're when they're facing teams that are going to be playing more man, um, and and they're going to have to drag defenders out there. They're going to have to force somebody like a Ray Thompson to guard them out there, or somebody like a Jordan Geronimo to guard them out there. Um, so you're you're probably going to see the percentage drop. You're going to have to see them give three pointers to people that aren't their first priority of who takes those shots. So I, I still think three point shooting is an issue because it makes a lot of the other things go around. But in terms of things that just stand out as man, what, what, what's wrong there? I mean, because again, as far as uh, you know, uh, competition is concerned, I mean, it's, it's a ten foot shot no matter what. <laughs> You've got to be able to hit it, um, and so. You're, you're seeing it, it you know uh, it's, it's specific guys that are obviously having trouble obviously Jordan Geronimo who has been an excellent three-point shot three-point shooter um, for his size and has just given them a ton of energy rebounding it at just a, an absurd level uh, was too evade at the line I mean he just seems to be just a, a literal and he doesn't have bad form or anything like that um, he just seems to have a little bit just too much going on there a little bit too many, much I guess just jitters at the line I think he just he needs to see some uh, go down and, and start to trust himself a little bit more there um, Xavier Johnson's not a great free throw shooter. Trace Jackson Davis is just an okay free throw shooter for a guy who gets to take a lot of them. Um, and so th- those kind of guys need to get better, especially Johnson and Jackson Davis and, and Geronimo too, because they're all going to get fouled. Um, you know, at Johnson off the dribble, Jackson Davis and Geronimo just because they're down there around the rim and they're going to be fighting for rebounds and, and whatnot. Uh, those guys are going to go to the line plenty and they're going to have to make more of those shots. So it is definitely an issue just being able to convert those. It is the thing that stands out most of – something that's fixable, something that needs to get better um, and that, 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 is, that is going to be important, but it's just blatantly not good right now. Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald-Times, my guest talking IU basketball and their win over Jackson State last night. I, I also want to ask you this. You've had a, a long opportunity for various outlets to cover the Hoosiers, uh, so you, you probably can speak on this as well as any guest that joins our program on a regular basis the differences you've noticed between Mike Woodson uh, and Archie Miller as far as coaching styles and uh, other things that have stood out. A texter wrote in, I thought a good point, that it was nice to see uh, uh, Coach Woodson call a timeout after Jackson State went on a 6-0 run. Uh, I know there were times last year where you think, you know, maybe maybe we should call a timeout here, take a break when things are not going the, the way of Indiana. But uh, have you noticed many uh, differences between the two? And, and maybe it just boils down to style of basketball or emphasis on different things. But curious your thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously the, the style of play is very different. I mean, the, the what, what he's doing offensively. And, again, some of it, it, it you're, you're going to get a better sense of it once they start playing in Big Ten play. I mean, because there's this kind of recency bias of the last games that you saw Archie Miller coach were against Big Ten teams. And the first games you see Mike Woodson coach are against teams that are not of that caliber. So your, your memory of what an Archie team is like is still entirely based on them playing teams that uh, are at their level or better. And you're, all of you know, what, what is in your mind is Mike Woodson facing teams that they're much better than. Um, you know, it's been, and, and really, especially because of that COVID schedule, you, you, it's been a long time since you remember Archie Miller playing a team, having his guys play a team that they were way, way, way better than. I mean, you really got to go back two years and before a pandemic, um, before you, you, you know, when you think of them playing, you know, uh, teams from 
you know, tiny conferences, basically. So it, it's it's kind of unfair in terms of looking it back in your mind. And obviously, um, you know, they call that timeout. They get a play that works perfectly uh, right out of that timeout for the three to Parker Stewart. But again, it's Jackson State. I mean, they should be able to execute that well against them. I mean, so you're so there's still a lot of time to come before you can really judge apples to apples there. Um, but that being said, I mean, I think what stands out to me, obviously, from a media standpoint, he, he seems certainly way more more relaxed. He seems like he's joy, enjoying himself a lot more. He's just sort of laughing and trying, and, and he's funny. Um, you know, for one thing, he just doesn't seem as just annoyed at life as Archie Miller does. That was just kind of his shtick is just Archie being Archie. And, you know, Mike Woodson seems to be kind of taking this all at a more slowed down and sort of enjoying himself pace. Um, and as far as he's, you know, um, I, I don't know what happened exactly, but I just remember he cracked a joke when, when you know, I, I could tell he cracked a joke because like all the guys started laughing when they came over to the uh, sideline at one point. I think it was during the, um, you know, when, when they called that Class B technical foul for hanging on the rim or whatever it was on Jackson State. Um, you know, Woodson said something that I can't remember who it was Geronimo or who it was. We was like, what are you doing there or something? Obviously, it wasn't against Indiana. Um, but these guys just, you know, they, they laugh. They seem like they, they're enjoying themselves more around him. He's taking a more simple approach to it. I think he's got some humility to him because he's aware of the fact that, you know, he's just figuring this out. I mean, you mentioned last night, he was like, you know, I don't see a lot of zone defense. He's like, you've got to remember, like, I've been coaching in the NBA. They don't play a lot of it there. And so I asked the guys, like, is this what Syracuse does? And you were like, this, this, the Jackson State zone defense compared to the Syracuse zone defense, it's not, it, it's a whole different caliber uh, of what you're talking about, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I think there's obviously the wild open style of play. There's the more aggressive defense. I mean, those two things stand out schematically so far. Um, but, I mean, I think he just seems a lot more comfortable in his own skin and for obvious reasons. He's an IU guy. He's coached in the NBA. You know, this isn't his make-or-break job. You know, this isn't a situation where, man, he really needs this to, to get up the ladder. Um, you know, he is, he is where he wants to be. This is, his, this is the job he hopes to retire in. He's already done the NBA. He's got a ring. Um, you know, this is, there's just, there's just more confidence to him. And you're seeing that continue to carry so far. Obviously it could change if he starts losing basketball games and he starts, um, you know, once he sees the caliber of coach, the caliber of player that he's going to see in the big 10. Um, but for now he just seems to be enjoying himself a heck of a lot more right. than RG ever did. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think most people would that uh, follow this team closely. Dustin, I want to get a, a recruiting nugget on with you. Trent Sisley from down at Heritage Hills. We've talked a lot about uh, him on this program, had his high school coach with us as we track some of the big names in our state that IU and others are going to be interested in. Uh, they officially offered him a scholarship yesterday. I was no surprise. I was down at Heritage Hills on Saturday, and it sounded like it was coming soon. Uh, the big man is gaining some real attention early on. He's now got offers from uh, from the big dogs, IU, Purdue, Maryland, just from the Big Ten Conference. That's, that's obviously a big step, and it obviously tells you again about the caliber of player that comes out of Indiana that some of these guys get off with before they even play a high school varsity game. Um, but, no, I mean, obviously he's going to be a guy, you know, basically in that class that is going to be focused on his his whole career. Um, and, you know, 6'7", 185 pounds, I'm sure he's going to get a lot bigger than that. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously just just big step for him to have already impressed, you know, those programs at that level. And, and I think it obviously says something too, because I don't think you're going to see, um, you know, Mike Woodson be the guy that, that feels like he's got to do that a lot. Um, I think it's going to take special players for, for him to make offers this early in the process. Um, you know, where you saw that a lot with Tom Kareem, basically, I think Tom really felt like, especially earlier that he really had to get these kids, get to these kids before anybody else did. I don't know if Mike Woodson's going to have that same level of, 
demand because I'm not sure it works. Um, but uh, I, I think it's still key to say, you know, this, this, people can tell already that this guy is that legitimate that uh, that you know it's it's necessary to get get ahead on him. And so it tells you a lot about what he's like as a player. I'm interested to see him at some point this year. I didn't have I haven't had a chance to see him yet, so I'm intrigued what kind of player he is and what makes him this um, coveted recruit right out of the gate. But obviously, a big step for him. They obviously already be getting these offers. And uh, also uh, got to ask uh, Dustin uh, predictions, thoughts on the uh, bucket game on uh, Saturday. Does uh, can Indiana put up a fight at least here in this one? I don't see how. I'm, I, I just, I just don't see how. I love, love how you couch that. Gotta ask. We gotta still talk about football before it's over. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I don't see it because, I mean, obviously, as, as you know, Tom Allen mentioned to start, you know, he's hoping to get some guys back. Uh, you know, it's, it's the bucket game. You have to think there's more level of motivation, but I mean, they just can't move the football. You know, I mean, they, they just cannot move the football and with, with any degree of regularity. I mean, they, 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 they tend to do well on the first scripted drive, and then after that they don't really have any answers. Um, certainly that was the case uh, on Saturday against Minnesota. Minnesota had a very good first drive, didn't have anything after that. I mean, they don't know, you know, who's going to be the quarterback on Saturday. We still don't know. Um, you know, we'll, maybe we'll find out today. We get to talk to Tom Allen at 1230. Um, but, no, I mean, it, it's, it, they, they're and, – and Purdue has – Two of the ten best wide receivers in in the Big Ten has second best pass off, offense in the conference behind Ohio State, which is, has one of the best pass offenses in the country, if not the best pass offense. Like their numbers, I think they're sixth, but still, I mean, they're they're just unguardable. Um, I mean, David Bell, David Bell has a chance to win the Bulitnikov. I mean, he's down to you know one of three guys on the list. Um, I, you know, how do they guard David Bulitnikov? How do, not David Bulitnikov? David Bell, Milton Wright. Um, and for up, you know, those three guys, how do they guard those three? How do they move the ball against Purdue? How do they move the ball against anybody? You know, I just cannot imagine a scenario right now where they can pull this game off. I just don't see it. Purdue's a bull team. They're going to be a healthy bull team. They're probably, you know, they're seven and four going into this game, you know, again, and they got two top level guys. They've got, you know, their two top receivers have more catches than anybody else on Indiana's roster, you know, each of them. And I think their third guy has almost the same production as Ty, Ty Freifogel has. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of tells you just the distance and, and how good that passing game is comparatively. And so, you know, and Indiana barely has a better running game, doesn't have a better running game, if it doesn't have Stephen Carr, which it might not. So yeah, I, I, just, I, I don't see the math working out at all, especially going up there and playing on the road. I don't, I don't know how Indiana makes this a game. All right, uh, Justin Dopirak, the Bloomington Herald Times with us Wednesdays. Dustin, great to have you as always. Happy Thanksgiving. Your insight on IU basketball and football is greatly appreciated on this show, and we'll talk with you here in a week. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving, Matt. All right, uh, we'll head to a commercial break. Come back and and talk a little local sports to close out the week. This is a, a short week because of the Thanksgiving holiday off Thursday and Friday, at least as far as this show goes. Back with you Monday. Stay with us. There was some high school basketball last night to chat about and a few games of interest tonight. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is next. Presented by Major League Shirt Company. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for... All the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. 
We're back. Final segment of the week. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, is my guest. This segment is presented by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. You can find out more at mlshirtco.com. That's mlshirtco.com to find out more. All right, uh, Josh, high school basketball boys games underway and it's only fitting last night that Matt Lynch the new coach at Charlestown who's got a background at New Albany as a former coach and player there his team won not on a last second shot but it was a basket with eight and a half seconds left to go up over rival uh, there in northern Clark County New Washington 44-43 that would be the final score of the ball game and that's what we've missed. That's what we're glad is back, the thrill, the excitement of high school basketball here locally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, huge win for, for Matt in his first game. Uh, a tough loss for New Wash, though. It was, New Wash was up by two with uh, under 10 seconds left, and, and Jay Kelton drives, gets fouled, makes the basket, so ties it up. Then he misses the, misses the free throw, but uh, there was a lane violation on New Wash, so he got a second chance, and he, he made the most of that second chance and hit, hit the game-winning free throw there. So, yeah, it was a, it's a great, uh, great atmosphere last night, great game. All right, uh, let's talk about hoops in the area tonight. Two uh, local teams in action on this Thanksgiving Eve. New Albany going to host Clarksville, and uh, Silver Creek will also be at home tonight. They will take on Columbus East. There's a lot of question marks about both Silver Creek and New Albany. I think they're comparable from the standpoint that we know Brandon Northern is going to be the guy for the Dragons, and we know Tucker Biven is going to be the guy for the Bulldogs. But who else is going to step up and help lead these two ball clubs? Maybe we'll start to get some answers tonight. Yeah, very intrigued by by both of these games. You know, as you mentioned, uh, New Albany, obviously, you know, Caden Stanton's not there anymore. So uh, Tucker Biven will be uh, be definitely the the main focus there. And and they've got some other some other seniors, Jaden Thompson, and some of the other guys who will probably step up. It'll be interesting to see who will be stepping up. And then. You know, that'll be the first game for, for Kyle Hankins at Clarksville, so intrigued to see that one as well. And then, yeah, Silver Creek playing their playing their first game without Trey Kaufman and Cooper Jacoby in, in quite a long time. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, who else besides probably Brandon Northern and, and Trey Shane who are going to step up and, and make plays for Silver Creek. And, and it, you know, it should be, a, should be a tough first game for them. So, uh, you know, we'll probably get to learn a little bit about uh, about each all these teams tonight, so it's going to be uh, it's going to be great to see. Josh, I was looking at the schedule, and really, uh, it, it's a little bit of a slow start. We saw uh, Charlestown and New Washington last night, Rock Creek and Henryville also in action last night. Uh, then uh, tonight we see New Albany and Silver Creek uh, play uh, out of the area opponents, but it, it really takes some of the teams. I was wondering, you know, when's Jeffersonville? When's Floyd Central? When are we going to see them for the first time this season? Uh, they they don't play right out of the gate for whatever reason uh, this year. November 30th will be the first game uh, for the Highlanders this year. And Jeffersonville, their first game is not until December 3rd when they play down at USI, a shootout, which uh, is where they'll take on Evansville North. Yeah, yeah. The, the two, two of the biggest bigger schools, obviously, they don't start till next week. But, but uh, yeah, there's still some, some other games I'm – I'm interested to see again this Saturday is uh, there's a couple Christian Academy at Clarksville. I think that'll be interesting because 
um, it'll be the second game for Kyle Hankins at Clarksville. Plus, it'll be the first for Christian Academy, who who uh, you know could really be a factor in that Class A section. And Borden, which you know Borden lost a tough one last night to Eastern. Forgot to mention that uh, Borden was up at halftime, but then Eastern came back and won. Uh, so I'm. And Rock Creek won impressively at at, at uh, Henryville. So oh, I mean that sectional at Borden, is, I think, is going to be really interesting with Borden, Rock Creek, uh, Christian Academy, and obviously Lanesville, New Wash. So that'll be interesting. And then New Albany makes that trip to Bloomington South on Saturday night. So um, you know they they beat them pretty handily last year, and then Bloomington South went on to win the regional. So that was. You know that was a big, impressive early season win for the Bulldogs last year. So we'll see if they can they can pull that off again this year. And then uh, yeah, Providence open Saturday night too. That's another one. Josh Cook, so, sport, sports editor of the News and Tribune, you can read lots of preview work as well from Josh at the uh, newsandtribune.com website. And what a uh, a tab, a, a extra special uh, section you had. Uh, I think it came out last week. Where lots of great content. Uh, to help get fans ready for the upcoming season. Josh, we've asked a lot about, you know, top teams in the area. We always talk about the top players uh, today as we close out before Thanksgiving. Give me a sleeper team or two in the area that fans should pay attention to this year. Yeah, I think most of them will be, I would say, in, the, in that Class A. Um, Christian Academy, you know, made they uh, they struggled last year during the regular season and then, uh, won a couple games in in the uh, forward sectional and make to make it to the championship game uh, and um, I really think they're gonna they're gonna be uh, much improved this year you know it's got Brady Dunn and some other guys returning then I know Hayden Hayden Casey's really excited about some of the freshmen he's got coming in so you know I, I think um, they're definitely gonna be one one team to watch and then um, yeah at Borden as well Borden you know I think was 12 and 11 last year but they've got Doc those guys have much higher expectations this year so it's going to be um, you know I, I think they'll be really improved as well and uh, you know that they can they haven't won a sectional since they won the state championship in 2013 so uh, you know I think that's really a focus for them this year so um, yeah I think they'll be solid too and then uh, you know Providence they lost some guys but they've got Casey Kalen back and, and you know I think they'll be a factor in that class 2A sectional as well yep, I they'll agree. be a team to watch no question. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune. You can read his work at newsandtribune.com slash sports and, of course, the print edition of the paper each day. Josh, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, a food item you're uh, most excited about for Thanksgiving Day. What does Josh Cook prefer on <laughs> on the Thanksgiving holiday? Give us a little personal <laughs> insight here, Josh. I'm not a huge uh, fan of uh, Thanksgiving food, actually. Wow. Uh, I'm, I like a little turkey and a little mashed potatoes, and that'll be about it for me, probably. All right. That seems like a pretty boring <laughs> plate there, Mr. Cook. All right. Have a, have a great holiday. We'll catch up with you next week. Thanks, Matt. You as well. Have a good one. Major League Shirt Company, they can help if you're looking to raise money for your team or event. Uh, let their online fan stores do the work for you. You can outfit fans and raise money with very little effort. Major League even does the sorting. All you've got to do is cash the check. Find out more about Major League Shirt Company at mlshirtco.com. That's mlshirtco.com. Very thankful for you, the listeners that are with us each and every day on this program, whether it's the radio show or the podcast. 
We appreciate your support for tuning in here on the Big X and look forward to being back with you on Monday. There's lots of basketball over this Thanksgiving holiday, so enjoy that. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.